Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. For God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. For as a father has mercy upon his children, so the Lord has mercy upon those who fear him. And as a mother comforts her child, so the Lord will comfort you. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. Those who believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. With this assurance, let us stand and begin our worship by singing, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name with the words printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. 
we shall join the everlasting song and crown you Lord of all, for we are grateful, O Lord, that you are the Lord of life. You are the one who was there at the beginning of our lives, and you will be there at the end. You are the one with whom our dear sister now communes. You are the one who was reflected in her life and in her passion and in her love. So we are grateful for this opportunity we have this afternoon to celebrate this life well lived and to rejoice as she rejoices with the angels for all the blessings that have showered upon us through her and how we have been made richer for her presence. So bless us, may we sense the presence of your spirit. May we know the great love of life in the time that we have together, for we ask this in Christ's name, amen. We gather here this afternoon for lots of reasons. We are, of course, here, first of all, to express our sorrow. Our dear sister is no longer here, and we feel a very certain emptiness, a space that only perhaps God can fill. So we're here to express our sorrow and come alongside of Ed and other members of June's family and to make sure that they are aware of our presence. We're here to receive comfort as well, to comfort our dear friends and to comfort each other as the community gathers together around the love that we shared uh, for this young woman, for how she has touched our lives and for how she has made a difference in so many respects throughout the world. We're also here to give thanks. We give thanks to God for the gifts that God has given us and we give thanks for this precious life, June LaBelle Alley and how she has touched so many of us and how she has been a reflection of God's gifts in so many ways. And so we're here to give thanks to God for God is the author of every good and perfect gift. But most of all, and June would want to make sure we say this, we are here to rejoice. We are here to rejoice because the promise of the gospel is that life does not end with death, and that our dear sister has gone to discover that peace which passes all understanding. We're here to rejoice because we know of the great value of life itself and the precious life that we knew in her. And we rejoice because we have been able to share in that along the way. So with all these things in mind, let us hear the words of Scripture that we may be reminded of God's presence and that we may be mindful of how God might wish to be speaking to us in this particular moment in our time. Some of these Scriptures chosen by June herself. First, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And June's favorite Psalm, Psalm 8. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouths of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. And when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then from the New Testament, from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus speaks and says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. And then finally, these words of the apostle telling us of the heavenly city. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with people, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. May the Lord bless to us an understanding of this, his holy word.
Joan and Joseph and Lynn and Robert, all dear friends of June, will be sharing with us some remembrances. Good afternoon, I'm Joan Golub. How can I describe June? She was my special friend, the warrior princess, fiercely loyal and protective, and still the woman who loved pretty things and girlish chatter. June's presence was commanding, but there was always an effervescence that kept the lightness in her talk. She had a way of bringing out the most interesting part of people that she met or interviewed, and she always found something mutually entertaining. Anyone who lived in the New York City area and tuned into the classical music station WQXR knew who June LaBelle was. I, for one, listened to her for 30 years. Our paths crisscrossed, but we didn't meet until my cousin Debbie Guerin, who worked in concerts and lectures at the Metropolitan Museum, introduced me to her. Debbie brought me onto the stage of the Grace Rainey Rogers Auditorium in the museum at the conclusion of one of June's fabulous interviews in her Sound of Broadway series. Debbie announced that I was gonna be living in Sarasota June, in her usual let's get down to business manner, said, call me as soon as you get there, gave me her number and whisked herself off the stage. I stood there thinking, wow, I have just met that voice that I've listened to forever, and now I'm gonna get to know her. Upon arrival in Sarasota, I took up her offer, phoned, and we got together. I learned that in addition to our mutual love of music, we shared a passion for lavender, laughter, and small dogs, and that sealed the friendship forever. She gave more than her all to everything she did. Traditional in many ways, she liked her cocktail before dinner, loved to entertain, and was a superb cook. She never took the easy path in any part of her life. She never flaunted her celebrity. June asked you, her community of friends and fans, to share her battle with cancer on social media. She really believed in the value of thoughts and prayers in their ability to heal. My life is richer for having known June, and June's life was about living. And that's why we must celebrate her and not mourn her. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm Joseph Holt, the artistic director for the Choral Artists of Sarasota, as well as the Artist Series Concerts of Sarasota. It's quite an honor and a humbling privilege to be speaking today on behalf of my good friend June LaBelle. And I must admit that it was a responsibility that I was, I was shocked when, when Ed asked me to speak on her behalf. But I do so willingly and openly and I want to share just a few thoughts about June that uh, I'm likely the, the person here who has not known her the longest. Um, I've only known her since 2005. And um, but I can say that 
we all came to know June very well in the short amount of time that we had her here or in the long amount of time that we had her here. Everybody felt very comfortable in her presence and much loved by her presence. Um, I did meet June in uh, June of 2005 with Richard Storm at the uh, Sarasota Music Festival. At the time, I was doing a little bit of research into whether I would move to Sarasota or not, and June quickly opened up her doors and said, yes, come on down, we want you here, and we want you immediately. Well, the Army said, you have to wait. So <laughs> it was another five years, but her timing was impeccable because the day I signed the dotted line to buy the house in Sarasota, she called me and said, are you still planning on moving to Sarasota because I have the perfect job for you? And she was always that way. I mean, her, like I said, her timing was amazing. Um, we all know the, the wonderful characteristics about her. She was affable, knowledgeable. She was so witty and, and graceful and in so many ways. Beautiful, talented, thoughtful. She had the ability to pull out the best in everyone she was around. And I, I really admired that in her, and she certainly... Uh, was able to pull out things in me that I didn't even know were in there. So I, for that, I am eternally grateful to my good friend, June LaBelle. She was also, uh, we know, you know a, a slightly opinionated and certainly determined in so many ways, but in such a loving way that you couldn't help but smile with her and go along with whatever harebrained scheme she came up with. When she auditioned for Glory Music High, uh, back in 2009, she said to me that her voice had changed and she had uh, no longer the middle range, but she had this very high range and this very low range. And she demonstrated both for me and she said that she wanted to make sure that I could always play for her in the key of Q flat. <laughs> for musicians, that does not exist. It's something that I think only the dogs hear. But she shared that with me and she did sing in Q flat. Um, there's a great poem about living one's life, and it's called The Dash. I'm sure that you all are quite familiar with it. You know, it's, it's the dash that's represented between our years of birth and years of death. That, that dash is the most important part. It makes no difference when we were born, when we died. It's how we live that dash in the middle. And the poem is by uh, Linda Ellis. And, and I just wanted to quote just a few lines from it because I think they're so appropriate for our good friend June. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth, that one little line. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. And we all have to agree that June had the best dash of all. I mean, she was amazing in so, in so many ways. And um, she uh, accomplished so much in her life. She was a pillar in the community, a trailblazer in so many ways that we all know from hearing what Joan had to say about WQXR and all the wonderful things she did here. And it is so fitting that we are here at the Church of the Palms where not only did she and Ed attend services, but also the, um, uh, the SIL programs, Music Mondays, were held here. And those were wildly successful. And we all learned so much from that. You know, her knowledge, her, her sassy humor, and again, her ability to bring out in certain people the best they could possibly offer. Um, there's a, uh, another poem that, uh, 
I put on, on social media to express my thoughts about losing June at this point in my life. I mean, I'd only known her for 12 years, but she had come to mean so much to me in so many ways. And the poem I quoted was, do not stand at my grave and weep. It is something that I firmly believe in because we, we, we do, we mourn, we cry, but the person's not here. The person's here in our hearts and in our minds with us, but bodily they're not. And the last two lines of that I think are quite appropriate. Do not stand at my grave and cry, I am not there, I did not die. And I think that's true of June. She lives on in all of us here and all the wonderful people that she loves so much in Sarasota and particularly Ed Alley, her great companion of the past eight years. Um, and I do know in my heart and my faith that tells me that you know, June is in a great place and no doubt she's teaching the angels how to sing in the key of Q flat. Thank you. Good afternoon, I'm Lynn Meske, and I am so honored to stand here today and share thoughts of my beloved friend, June. And what I'm going to read to you today is a letter, actually a story, that I gave to June a few weeks ago as a way of sharing my deep and sincere appreciation for our friendship. It was actually never meant to be presented to a group like this. Very personal, very first person. And I'm doing this because June requested that I read it at her service, which at the time she knew was very near. And so I begin. And it is entitled, How June LaBelle Changed My Life. Many years ago, as a member of Key Corral, I was given the task of taking reservations for singers who wanted to audition. It was a fun job. I got to meet a lot of singers, many of whom were moving here from out of state, other cities, um, and had extraordinary talent and wonderful experiences to offer to us in Sarasota. One life-changing day, a mellifluous voice came through the phone and introduced herself, hello, I'm June LaBelle. And of course, obviously, that doesn't even come close to doing justice to how she always started her show. She, we chatted for a while, and at one point she said, I think we're going to be friends. And sure enough, after she got settled in her new home, she called to make a lunch date. Soon we realized that we had much in common. Music, food, cooking, art, and people. June and I were both sopranos. And so after becoming friends, I realized that June had never heard me sing. And with her pedigree, uh, I admit, I was a little intimidated about this. Uh, fortunately, June attended a 9-11 anniversary concert in which I was given a solo. And I knew she was sitting down there. <laughs> and as I began, I saw a smile cross June's face, 
and I was thrilled. And thus began a very special collaboration that brought so much joy to both of our lives. Over the years, June and I performed many gigs together. She would talk, I would sing, and often with the wonderful Lee Doherty Ross at the piano. Thanks to the bottomless pit of knowledge, I learned much about composers, musicians, and the renowned people that she often referred to by their first names. My husband and I were privileged to meet many of her friends. I shared dinner and a hug with Sir James Galway, had lunch with Martina Arroyo, and shared a plate of calamari with Long Long and many other famous people. June also loved to entertain and often asked me to help with her lovely dinners. They were always filled with people, stimulating conversation, and heady stuff for a girl who grew up in a small Pennsylvania town. At that point in my life, June and I were on the go all the time. I had a very full singing schedule, and she and I gave many performances together. And I must admit, my husband was a little lonely. <laughs> After a number of years of palling around, I noticed a delightful change when a handsome and very available bachelor appeared on the scene. And his name was Ed Alley. At first, he began to pop up everywhere June and I went. And I thought he must be a stalker. <laughs> and why not? June was lovely. She was talented. And they had actually met years before in New York City. In fact, they had so much in common, particularly the love of music and the arts, that it made it a perfectly logical pairing of two wonderful people. So much to my husband's relief, June and Ed married and began what had always been a dream for my dear friend June. She and Ed cruised and traveled the world and together enjoyed supporting the arts in our very special community. As for me, these two very thoughtful people continued to be an integral part of my life and the lives of my family. And what a blessing for them to have found each other and shared their life experiences with each other and with us too. As for June and myself, she gave me a priceless gift, her friendship and her effortless sharing of her experiences and knowledge of music and the arts. This gift cannot be wrapped or mailed or texted. With a simple phone conversation, June LaBelle changed my life. I'm Bob Barilski. I'm here speaking in my capacity as president of the Sarasota Institute of Lifetime Learning. I want to thank June and Ed for making Music Mondays a tremendous and wonderful event. For those of you who attended those programs, June filled the rafters here as if we had 
added another 12 important religious holidays to the schedule of the church. People were packed in. And this year, I decided to be a greeter at the door along with Joyce and just see the folks coming in and how happy they were coming in and what they said about June and what they said about Music Mondays and really how much so many worried about June and her health. You know, and we watched her, we watched Ed go through this most difficult year when she could hardly come down the aisle, right? And had deep, deep, deep admiration for Ed and everything he did to support her. I think I lost my wife to the same cancer, so I, I know um, what, what Ed and June have been through. And doing it as a couple so lovingly and yet so determined to make every show a better one. And actually, I would say, indeed, some of them this year were probably the strongest even when she was the weakest physically. Once this year, she burst into song, you know, to illustrate problems of being a singer. And through these musical conversations, musical illiterates like me from a family of musicians, but me being the one who could never do anything, just loved getting insights into the what's backstage. You got to see the personalities of people rather than just the performance where everyone gets out there and, you know, performs and as if there's never been a mistake or never a worry. But she brought us backstage so we could see it all. And through this, we gained wonderful knowledge and insights. And we talked about death here today and that I know um, we hear Mozart, we hear Mendelssohn. We see there are these very special people in the world like June and Ed who keep this marvelous gift that the Creator gives to us of talented people who repair the world and make it better and more beautiful for all of us. And if it weren't for June, Ed, and our musicians and all our friends of the arts, our world would not be nearly as wonderful to live in. So June was so special. She was spontaneous. She would laugh. She would be impish sometimes. Sometimes the videos wouldn't work. We had a lot of fun. She had the audience singing sometimes this year, even the whole gang singing, you know, Broadway musical waltzes. And they marched out of here happier than they ever came in. No, it was just wonderful, a wonderful thing. And when you look at it, you say, well, yes, brilliance, all of that. But what counts most now, I think, is that we are dedicating ourselves to making sure that her program continues. You know, she and Ed planned all of next year's speakers. They're all booked, even some into 2019. I can tell you that the rest of the SIL organization, which deals with foreign policy and Putin and all of that stuff, we never have the whole year planned a year in advance the way June does, or certainly not 2019. And thank God that we have Music Monday instead of just having the gloomy stuff, you know, on the agenda. <laughs> so, okay, June and Ed have booked it all. There'll be the shows, and Ed is going to lead that 
and still is going to support him and make sure that the best thing we can do to honor June is to carry on her program and enjoy June's work into the future. So thanks very much.
someone we've been hearing about throughout the afternoon, June's dear life partner, Ed. Thank you. I want you to know that all of you here today are seated in the family section because that's what June felt about her friends and her audiences. So this is one large family section. And I'm happy to see lots of people not wearing black because June was about color and life and purple and pink were her favorite colors, so I see a lot of it. About Amazing Grace, Esther Hines, who sang at the Metropolitan Opera, was June's classmate at Music and Art and her roommate at the Hart School of Music. There were many nights when June would be awakened by very soft singing and would find Esther on her knees by her bed or gazing out the window praying and softly singing spirituals, one of which was Amazing Grace, which we will hear in Esther's arrangement. June loved Mahler's Eighth Symphony, which obviously we can't do here live today, guys, especially the final moments, which portray the soul ascending to heaven in all of God's glory. Richard Mishkin, a classmate of June's at Joan of Arc Junior High School and the High School of Music and Art, told me she's always been the wonderful June that we know. And Jacques D'Amboise, former star of the New York City Ballet and an old family friend, said that when she was just a little kid, she was already poised and confident beyond her years, and she always loved to sing. And June would sing at the drop of a hat, even if there wasn't one to drop. <laughs> she and her parents, on one of their transcontinental driving vacations, were in Las Vegas, watching a show with Dorothy Shea, the Park Avenue hillbilly. Half as a joke, Shea asked if anyone in the audience would like to sing with her. And June, who was possibly eight or nine at that time, jumped on her chair, waved her hand and said, I do, I do, and she did. June and her father would often have what we call driveway moments when he drove her to school listening to WQXR, trying to decide exactly what was playing, and she would be late for class. June and her schoolmates would often break into song on a bus or the subway or running along the sidewalks on Broadway singing not popular songs, but Brahms and Bach or some other serious stuff. You won't hear that in New York today. They would often sneak off for a school lunch at a nearby Chinese restaurant, leaving their own bag lunches as tips for the waiters. <laughs> I wasn't there, but she said it was true. June and her parents loved concerts, ballet, and music theater. She saw The King and I at least seven times and knew all the dialogue and lyrics to Kismet and many other shows before she was 10. And there were numerous evenings and Sunday afternoons spent in the top row of Carnegie Hall. Her memory and knowledge of music were encyclopedic, seasoned with her special sense of humor. June was a professional soprano and a good one, a working singer in New York, choruses, church choirs, a European tour of Schola Cantorum, and she gave a solo recital in Carnegie Recital Hall while suffering with mono and had 102 fever. Still, she was always warm, kind, sympathetic, and willing to help everyone. There are a few bumps along the way, too. Like many of us, June had a constant battle with her weight, 
One evening when she was ushering at then Philharmonic Hall, she ushered on opening night in 1962, and after a day of fasting, they found that several bottles of champagne were left in the conductor's dressing room. The ushers helped themselves to this treasure, and there was too much champagne on an empty stomach. And uh, yeah, the inevitable occurred all over Leonard Bernstein's piano. <laughs> Dr. Dr. LaBelle had to retrieve a very sick but even more embarrassed daughter. No more ushering for her, but June did become a tour guide at Lincoln Center and later manager of visitor services for Lincoln Center while still singing professionally. She realized there was no pension or health care for these, these people and the hardworking young ladies and even the, the washroom attendants. And although she was management, she worked to get them representation so that they got those benefits, which they still have today. And on and on. She joined WQXR as the first one announcer in commercial classical music radio. And her voice with a smile and personality changed the complexion of that entire medium in this country from stiff, stuffy, and slightly sniffy to warm and friendly. Yes, she started at the top and stayed there for almost 30 years. In New York, before I even really knew June LaBelle, I was a faithful listener to QXR, and since June worked nights, like our friend Eric Matheson, I said that I fell asleep with June or, and woke up with Nemet, or sometimes George Edwards or, or Greg Whiteside, depending. Early on, when we're dating, I told June that her smile alone was enough to start and cause global warming. <laughs> Joseph Robinson, who was former principal oboe of the New York Philharmonic, in a note the other day, said it best. To be with June was to live a joyful song. Now about us. For 100 months, June and I were privileged to have what everyone hopes and dreams to happen in life. A love, friendship, and partnership which can never be explained, only felt and experienced. I think the only time we were ever apart was when she was in the hospital. A week or so ago, we were talking, as most of us do, when we know that time is running short. We both agreed that if the price that we had to pay for everything that we shared for these 100 months was to have it in so soon, it was still one heck of a bargain.
Well, nobody should be asked to speak after that. <laughs> Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The last of my visits to June took place on her birthday, the day before her passing. She was tired, fairly weak, but still very conscious and conversant. She was at peace and ready to go. The topic of her cookbook came up, and we talked about how it came together, and then she learned that I didn't yet have a copy. So Ed scurried to find a copy, along with a purple pen. She signed all her books in purple. Lying there with her toy poodle, Rosie, keeping watch, she wrote an inscription and signed her name. We visited a bit longer, prayed, and then with a gentle hug and the blow of a kiss, we said goodbye. As I walked from the house and looked at the book in my hands, I smiled at the irony. On her birthday, and with not many hours left, she was the one who managed to give the gift. I was the recipient, and she was the giver. Give and it will be given you. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. These words of Jesus were her favorite verse in the Bible. Give and it will be given you. It's the way it began, trained as a singer. What does a singer do but give? Give her voice, hours and weeks and years of rehearsal in order to deliver her song to those who will listen and the joy of the singer is completed in the joy of the listener. Give, and it will be given to you. And aren't we glad she found another way to share that velvety voice of hers by letting us listen in on the conversations she had with so many interesting and creative people from around the world. In my Jersey days, I too was enchanted with, a voice, with her voice on WQXR and then again down here in Sarasota. And while we listened, we learned and heard her draw from her guests all the stories and all the passions of their lives, giving them the gift of sharing their own story and turning it around to her audience as a present to them. With all due apologies to author Elizabeth Gilbert, dare I wonder if June were to have written another book, an autobiography perhaps, she could have entitled it, Eat, Play, Love. Maybe it fits better the other way, love, play, eat. June was a lover of people, of music, of life, and of her Ed, the eight happiest years of her life, dear friend. Her love drew from us our love, love, play, eat. She was a player, a player of music, inciting us to play our own song, to be the performer as well as to be the audience. She loved for us to play the music and to play with the music. Love, play, eat. And of course, she understood good food, 
how it tasted and how it was prepared and how it brought people together in the sacredness of a meal. Who but June would have thought to weave the stories of music into the stories of food, love, play, eat. And maybe that's what we love most about June. She brought us together in person, on the airwaves, around the table, in the concert hall. This is what song, food, and love will do, weaving all together, all spirits into one spirit. And we can't forget the prayer part, for our sister was a person of great spirit, her journey taking her from Judaism to Christianity, her love for the Marble Collegiate Church in New York City, and her gratitude for the ministry of Arthur Caliandro. She deeply connected to God through her music, through her friends, through her church, through her marriage, and through her zeal for all things beautiful. It was for June all a prayer. What a companion then to converse with along the way of our pilgrimage. And now by God's good grace, the journey has taken her to the peace which passes all understanding, to the heavenly city where there is no more tear, no more sorrow, no more pain. She has let go and fallen into the everlasting arms of her creator, held now ever so tightly by love itself, joining with the choir whose anthem has no end, and awaiting our arrival at the feast, perhaps, perhaps, to ask us more about ourselves. Praise God from whom and to whom all blessings flow.
Following the benediction, the family will be following the casket out to their cars. And you are invited to, after the service, to meet with them and greet them at the Opera House in downtown Sarasota. You are uh, certainly encouraged to come and spend time with them. And following in a couple of days on Thursday at 11 o'clock, actually 1045, there will also be a committal service at the Sarasota National Cemetery to which you are invited as well. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore, world without end and life without end. Amen.